Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? And welcome to all of our guys on Church Online campus. It's good to have you with us. We're in a series called Pigs in Flight. Have you ever heard someone say, yeah, that'll happen when pigs will fly? Meaning that it's literally impossible for that thing to happen. Well, uh, I'm going to share a little story with you. My dad didn't follow Jesus. Um, he didn't believe much in the church. He actually hated church and hated pastors and all that. But it goes back to a story of what happened when I was a little boy. Uh, my dad began to watch on Sunday mornings a man named Jimmy Swaggart. Now, if you're uh, you know, old enough, which will probably show your age like I am, Jimmy Swaggart was a televangelist. He was really good at like, getting red-faced, screaming, crying, and sweating. He could cry and sweat with the best of them. And my dad would watch him. He was one of those, what, what they would call a faith healer on TV. And I would watch him because he was entertaining. I have no clue what he was saying. I had no idea what was happening. Uh, but I do remember distinctly when my dad stopped and my dad was angry. I remember overhearing my dad talking to my mom and talking to his mom about Jimmy Swaggart because of the moral failure that Swaggart had with prostitutes. My dad from that day forward said, I no longer even believe in you, Jimmy Swaggart. I don't believe in this healing stuff you're talking about because his mom died of cancer. And I no longer want anything to do with the church or with pastors because of this. And my dad turned away from faith. He gave up hope that God could still heal someone. Now, for me, I watched my mom die of cancer. I watched her shrivel up and go to hospice and die. Maybe you've had that experience too. And I prayed fervently. As a kid, I prayed for my grandmother too. I watched people show up and pray for her. Uh, many people from the church pray for her. She did everything Scripture tells you to do, and she still died of cancer. And so today's message is actually one that we need to embrace. But can I tell you, like, off the cuff, some of you had very bad experiences uh, with this idea that God heals. And not only bad experiences, but you've prayed for someone and it didn't happen. And so there's an internal struggle when I talk about this. You're like, yeah, but you don't know my story. I really struggle with the fact that not only can God do it, but would God actually do it for me? And if you're in that boat, if you feel that way today, can I tell you, you're in a great, great hands because there was a woman in Scripture who struggled with the same thing. We know her as we call her the woman with the issue of blood. And in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 8, you can turn there in your copy of God's Word, Luke is the only Gentile writer in the New Testament, meaning that he was a non-Jew. And so in the gospel of Luke, he follows up with Acts. Luke's gospel is a little different. He researches. He was not there with Jesus, but he researches to find out every detail that happened. And what Luke does in his gospel, it's, again, it's very different because he highlights people who are non-Jews who are of lower economical class that should have been rejected by Jesus and by rabbis, but that it didn't go that way. Luke shows how they're received by Jesus. Remember the parable, the lost sheep, the lost coin, lost son, all that stuff? Where you're actually, you're valuable to God. And Luke wanted to point that out. It's the only gospel which that parable is there. Well, something happens in Luke 8. Jesus visits a man uh, who we know is legion because he had all these demons. And Jesus cast out the demons and helps this man, you know, get emotionally free. And then he's on the way somewhere else, and a Roman soldier stops him and says, my little girl is dying, and I need you to heal her. He was a man of great social status. And Jesus, on his way to heal this little girl, gets stopped by a woman who should have been killed for what she did. And let's look at it in Luke chapter 8. It says this, and Luke writes, he says, 
A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and could find no cure. Uh, In another gospel, it actually says that she had given all of her money to doctors and no one could cure her. She'd given up hope. But coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Like, we're trying to keep them off of you. Like, we're, like, like, we're your security team, dude. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? But Jesus says, and I want you to watch the language he uses and watch the words. He says, someone deliberately, deliberately touched me. Not just kind of, you know, leaning on by accident. Not just in proximity. But someone deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go out of me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And then he says to her, this is so important, we're going to unpack this. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, you may not know this, but according to the Jewish law, the Torah, according to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, there's really boring books in the Bible to read. You don't look at for devotions or encouragement, right? Those little strange things they say in there. It was... Ceremonially, she was unclean. She could not touch Jesus because she was unclean. She couldn't go to the temple to worship. She was an outcast. She couldn't go to Jewish festivals like Passover or Pentecost. She had felt like she was rejected not only by the Jewish community and Jewish religious leaders, but rejected by God as well. And this woman takes a risk because if you touch a rabbi and and you're unclean, you could be stoned to death. And she had tried everything, and finally, she presses through this crowd. She comes up behind Jesus because she's she's like, I could be killed if I touch him, and he sees this or somebody recognizes me. And she knew it was all done. But Jesus looks at her, and he says, daughter. He didn't say woman, girl. He says, daughter. And that's so important because what happens there is Jesus shows her acceptance and love for who she is. There's no telling how much shame this woman had been feeling, how much pain she had been going through. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. That that word well there, you could say healed and think that's it, but that's just not what it's translated to. That word well there means the word whole. Your faith has made you whole. And what I want you to understand today about this idea of healing, and we'll talk about it, how God does this in such multifaceted ways, is you have to understand what this woman did and what we can do and what we must do as well. And this is so important. And write this down if you have your notes handy. You can Snapchat it. You can Instagram it, Facebook it. If you even still tweet, if that's a thing, you can do it. But God will make you whole if you wholly pursue him. God will make you whole if you wholly pursue him. This woman facing death said, I'm going to lean in and intentionally, deliberately touch Jesus. I'm going after him because this is my only hope. I want to be made whole. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, hey, you've been healed. Your faith made you healed. You're good. I fixed it. He said, you've been made whole. And healing, and we'll talk about this, goes much deeper than just, hey, God, I, I got a broken finger. Can you just make it better? It's not like, you know, me kissing my son's boo-boos to make him better. 
God works so deep in those situations. And today what you have to embrace, and I know it's so difficult in our climate because of what you've experienced and because of what you've seen maybe with these guys on TV that have big diamond rings and, you know, fancy jets and they're talking about faith healing. I know it's so difficult, but you and I have to look past all that and look into Scripture and realize this today. God still heals today. And I want you to embrace that pig that can fly that God still heals today. He can heal you and he can make you whole. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 53, 5 says this. He says, but he, being Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Our God still heals today. And you have to embrace that in your faith journey that I know it seems impossible in your situation, but he does it. It's not just physical healing. If you're thinking, man, yeah, that's, that's cool, but I don't really have anything going on right now. I'm, pr I'm pretty good, right? I don't really need this. God heals in multiple ways. Now, one of the ways is physical, right? That God heals physically. And he does miracles. Like a miracle is a divine occurrence where God intervenes and there's no explanation. There's no scientific explanation for it. Like, like we don't, doctors can't explain it, people can't explain it. And a miracle rarely occurs because it's a miracle. If it happened all the time, it wouldn't be a miracle. Duh, right? You're like, oh yeah, it happens all the time, who cares? But a miracle is something that does happen. Matter of fact, if you want some real life proof, go talk to Brian Seymour, our first impressions director. Not only was Brian, you know, radically converted to Christ, but he got immediately healed of asthma as a young man. And then Brian goes out and as a young person just starts praying for people and they get healed of all types of stuff. Now, can I tell you a secret time out? I pray for people and nothing happens. <laughs> so if you're feeling bad, like that never happened to me, it's never happened for me either. But God does heal physically and you have to believe that. Uh, physically also understand this God not only just heals that way but he also has given us graces in humanity he graces us with things and he's graced us with medical technology my wife is a physician assistant and she has helped so many people with our technologies we have of x-rays and MRIs and maybe you got a stint in your heart or, or maybe you had some surgery that, that, that couldn't have happened in the first century and so maybe you were going through a heart situation and had a bypass do you know you should also stop and thank God because he graced you in this season with medical technology to help you and say, God, thank you. Like, if I was 100 years ago, this would not have been possible. Thank you for this. And so God heals physically. God also heals emotionally. And we talk about this at Thrive because it's so important. You know, some psychologists and, and some doctors will tell you that sometimes people are so wounded in their emotions and trauma from the past and unresolved conflicts and, and they have unforgiveness and benefit from, from childhood, rejection is hurt so bad that what happens is they have physical ailments that show up that you just don't know what the diagnosis is. They can't figure it out. And sometimes that happens because the emotional pain is so deep, it just manifests itself that way. I had a friend like that. I remember going to college with him and the more that he was working with forgiveness, because he had extreme unforgiveness issues against family members, those ailments actually started going away because it hurts so deep in our lives. And God wants to heal you emotionally. He still does that today from depression and anger and bitterness and resentment, all those things that keep you so well. God wants to 
heal you, just like he healed the woman with the issue of blood. And then finally, God heals spiritually. This is something super important. And I work with pastors with this a lot. They get so hurt from church and so hurt from going through ministry, they actually have trauma and they scan their brains. They have PTSD. And what happens with these guys, you've got to help them spiritually because not only they've given up hope in people, but they've kind of just said, hey, look, I love Jesus, but like, I just don't have any desire anymore for Scripture, for prayer. And if you're like that, if the Word of God is not alive to you anymore, if it's not beautiful to you, if you don't open up and thank God for the beautiful Scriptures that He had written by the way of the Holy Spirit, if prayer has made you numb and you're, not, you're numb to prayer, if you just listen to sermons like you listen to anything else or the Word of you can be healed spiritually as well, where you can believe again, you can trust again, you can hope again, and you can have a vibrant relationship with God. Our God still heals today. And I want you to understand that no matter what you're facing, but here's the problem. If we miss this, if, if you check out today, if you're already at lunch because your stomach's growling because you didn't eat breakfast before you came, it's your fault. Those online are eating donuts right now while they're watching this, so they, they kind of have it all in one. We see those crumbs. We can actually see all your screens. You didn't know that, right? We're joking. But if you miss this, here's what's going to happen. We will live a life without experiencing God's touch of healing where we need it most. And every one of us in here, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, physically, spiritually, or emotionally, we all need God to heal us in a certain way or meet, meet our needs in a certain way. But I want you to realize something about this. God doesn't deal with fruit. God deals with root. Let me say that again. God doesn't deal with fruit. God deals with root. He's not just after that surface-level thing you're praying for. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. He said, daughter, your faith has done what for you? Has made you whole. It's made you whole. Some scholars believe that maybe her issue was there was something so emotionally damaging and traumatic to her that that's why nothing could ever help her. We don't know, but we know that wholeness was the issue because that's what Jesus said had been done for her, was wholeness. And, and my fear is that many of us are going to miss out of experiencing that wholeness where we need it most in our life because we're dealing with fruit stuff. Okay, for, so for me, and this sounds trivial, so, so, so follow me with this. You're going to think, where is he going with this? Um, so for me, what happened was, was I lost a lot of weight by running a lot and playing basketball and not eating anything and doing HIIT workouts. I was just running all the time, right? It's like Forrest Gump. Running, running, running. And, and I just didn't eat anything. I lost a lot of weight. And then something happened, though. One day, I couldn't move my leg at all. Like, it was just like, ugh. Ah, and there was an extreme pain right below my knee, and I didn't know what had happened. I had to go to ortho to find out what has gone wrong with me, and they see this, he says, patellar tendonitis. So immediately, here's what I do, and here's what you should do. I go to Brian Seymour's office and say, hey, Brian, will you pray for me? <laughs> pray for healing, because like, God prays for people when they get healed. He prayed for me, and, and, and I prayed for myself, and I had friends praying for me, and nothing happened. Like, it, it, got, it, it did not improve, right? <laughs> but here's what happened. The pandemic came then. I couldn't play basketball. I had to change everything I had to do with working out. And then when I went back to the gym, I decided to start lifting heavy again, begin to study about this stuff. I want you to follow me here. And again, this is four years. I have to take medication every day for this patellar tendonitis. Four years just to do what I do. This is annoying, right? Four years. Start lifting heavy, start doing these squats, these deadlifts, and, and something happened. You know what happened? My, my patellar tendonitis started feeling really good. 
I was like, what, what has happened here? I was like, man, this feels like I'm, I feel like a new man. Like, I have made more progress in four months than I made in four years. Not only that, but I began to learn about eating healthier than I ever had before. And I got to a point, I realized God did, God, if he would have healed my patellar tendonitis four years ago, I would have kept on running and playing back, doing everything that was injuring it in the first place. Because it was a muscle issue, it wasn't a tendon issue. Because muscles attached to tendons, and they, you know, if you understand all that. Here's the thing I'm telling you. You're praying for the fruit when God says, no, 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 I need to deal with your root. Like, porn is not just a porn issue. And, and if you have a spouse who's dealing with that, don't just scream at the porn issue. They have an issue of the soul that they're trying to medicate. Follow me here. My dad told me this, the most profound thing I'd ever heard. I'd never heard this before. I mean, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, he followed Seagram 7. That was, <laughs> that's who he followed. Some of you know who that is. It's a whiskey, in case you don't. I know you're so holy. You guys have never heard of that stuff before. And he says, son, he says, it hurts so bad in my soul. This is what I do to medicate because the doctors have no medication for it. And that's right after my mom had died of cancer. He lost his dad at 13. He watched his mom die of cancer. And he said, it just hurts that bad. My dad didn't have an alcoholism issue. That was the fruit. He had never dealt with the root of the pain. He had never sat down and talked about the pain and the disappointment and the heartache. He had never got healed of that. You may think you have an overeating issue. It's not overeating. You hurt so bad in your soul. That's how you're working that thing out. You may think you have an issue with anger. It's not an anger issue. Anger, you see how I'm going with this? And even with healing, you may think, man, I, God, please help me. I got high cholesterol. No, you don't. You need to stop eating donuts. <laughs> and if God healed you, you'd be right back in it next year. Does that make sense? Now, there are times God heals you of something because, you know, bam, he's going to come in and help you. But there are times God says, no, 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 no. There's a root so deep. If you just let me get to the root, daughter, I can make you whole. Son, I can make you whole. And for me, I didn't have a patellar tendonitis issue. I had something deeper that God needed to show me what the real issue was, which was a muscle issue. And I want you to think about that when you're praying for healing and pray for God to deal with your root, not just deal with the fruit of the issue. And here's how we do this, and here's what you've got to do. Here's what the woman did. Intentionally invite God into your need of healing. What did Luke say? That she deliberately touched Jesus intentionally invite God into your need of healing. See, there was lots of people around Jesus. Lots, you know, singing, you know, about his goodness. Clapping on Sunday mornings. Uh, but there was somebody who said, I need Jesus' touch in my life, and I'm going to press in until I can get it, until I can get this thing healed in my life, because I'm so sick of what I've been going through. And friends, that's what we have to do is intentionally invite Jesus into your need of healing. Sit down with the Jesus and say, I don't, know the, I don't know the root, Lord. I don't know why this is. I don't know why I keep going through the same cycles. I don't know why I keep facing this thing. But you know, and do you know something about Jesus? He is the great physician. He doesn't practice medicine. He's perfect at it. Come on, somebody, Right? He's the great physician. He's going to sit down with you, and he's going to diagnose that problem with you, and he's going to make a plan to help you with that thing. And he, but you've got to in deliberately to go after him intentionally. And here are three thoughts of what I've had to do. 
in order to do that. I want you to write these down and take these home with you. Number one, believe that Jesus actually wants to heal you. Believe that Jesus actually wants to heal you. This woman got to a point because of shame and rejection and heartache that she didn't think that Jesus actually wanted to do it. She'd been rejected by her own religion. And she took a wild gamble, rolled the dice, and said, I'm going after it. You've got to believe that Jesus, listen, stop living in shame. Stop thinking you're not good enough. Stop thinking God's too busy. Your cares aren't big enough for God. And believe that he cares about every detail of your life. He's not like Bruce. Remember Bruce Almighty? He's writing all the emails. <laughs> he's just overwhelmed. God's not overwhelmed. And he's not going to overlook you. He cares about that thing that's so deep in your soul that you want healing for. And can I tell you, your addiction, your issues, all that is is you crying out for that healing. And your father wants to meet you and help you with that. But believe he actually wants to do it for you. The second thing is this, live with expectation. I'm sure at some point over the 12 years, the woman with the issue of blood had this probably given up, right? Spent all her money on doctors, there's no cure, and she just lost expectation of ever being normal again, ever going to synagogue and worshiping, ever going to Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Pentecost, and celebrating with her Jewish brothers and sisters the goodness of God. And she probably had given, but then she gave one last hope for expectation. Live with expectation. Listen, maybe you did pray for that loved one to be healed, and it didn't happen the way you thought it would. Maybe you did pray for the thing not to go through, and it went through. I don't know what it is for you. But you're scared to be let down again. And so it's better just not to believe so you won't be let down. Don't do that. You live with expectation and deliberately go after Jesus. And then finally, here's what you have to do. And this is going to give you sanity. Leave the mystery of the results to God. Stop being CSI Christians. Got to figure it out. There's always, we got to find out the reason. This side of earth, you'll not, you're going you're to why yourself to death. Why, why, why? Leave it. I don't know why some people get miraculously healed and other ones don't. I don't know, guys. If you want to sit down right now, okay, you're sitting on, on the couch, you're in front of me, you, you want to talk to me? Give me something really deep, Pastor Kev. You know what? I don't have a clue. I don't know. And if you know, then actually something's wrong because if God could just fit in your little box and you can make sense of everything, he wouldn't be God. Isaiah said, for his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There's some things we won't know until eternity. And we'll get to heaven and it's going to all make sense. But when it comes to this idea of healing and God working and moving, leave the, leave the mystery, the results to God. He's God. And say, God, the results are up to you. However you want to do this, you do this. But you've got to believe that God works in every situation that you're going through. No matter if your prayer is answered in the way that you want it answered. Because he deals with the root, not just the fruit, right? You know, something touched me early on in, in my faith journey. I was saved in a church that always said if you didn't get healed, you didn't have enough faith. They did. Like, you, you don't have enough faith, brother. Have more faith, brother. You get, you know, someone will get healed. Got to believe, believe, believe. And I watch people die, die, die. And I didn't really understand all this. And, and, and so if somebody, somebody was sick and somebody wasn't healed, they didn't have enough faith. Something's wrong with them. That that's what the church, that they, they were good people, but most of them believed that. 
And then I ran, I came across this person named Johnny Erickson Tata. Maybe you've heard of her. But I was listening to Focus on the Family one day, and I heard her testimony, and it changed my whole view of the mystery of the results being left to God. And if you will, um, check out her testimony. I grew up in a very athletic family, tennis, horseback riding. Just a few weeks after high school graduation, as I was preparing to head off to college, my sister Kathy invited me to go to the beach for a swim. I swam out to this raft, athlete that I was, I didn't even touch bottom, hoisted myself up onto it and then took this really stupid dive into what ended up being extremely shallow water. I snapped my head back when I hit bottom and it crunched my fourth cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. There I was lying face down in the water, desperately hoping that my sister Kathy would please notice that I had not surfaced from my dive. Unbeknownst to me, her back was turned to me. She didn't even see me take that dive. But a crab bit her toe, and it so startled her that she quick turned around in the water screamed to me, Johnny, watch out for crabs. And when she did, she saw my blonde hair floating on the surface. I was face down, ready to drown. She came swimming quickly, pulled me up out of the water. And I never, I never was so grateful for fresh air. She saved me. But for what purpose, for what reason? Because now, lying there in a hospital, doctors told me I was going to have to sit down for the rest of my life as a quadriplegic without use of my legs or, or even my hands. My hands don't work. And I remember thinking, God, is this, is this your idea of an answer to a prayer to be drawn closer to you? If it is, you're never going to be trusted with another one of my prayers again. I mean, I'm a new Christian. How could you have taken me so seriously? I sank into deep depression. I, I remember there were wonderful Christian friends who came to the hospital and they encouraged me. And one Bible verse they shared was from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to help you, plans to prosper you and to give you a hopeful future. God, you, you mean you plan not to harm me? Well, what do you call quadriplegia, huh? What's that all about? As I read that verse and the context around it, I realized something, that when God said that, he was saying it to his children who were being dragged away into captivity by, by the Babylonians. They were going to exile. They were going into slavery. They had decades in front of them of hard, awful suffering. And I began to see that God's plans for a hopeful future for me was not necessarily jumping up, dancing, kicking, doing aerobics, running, walking, getting back use of my arms and my legs. No. God's plans for me go far deeper, a deeper healing a precious healing of the soul. Because as I was pushed into the arms of God every morning, and that's the truth, even to this day, don't be thinking I'm an expert at quadriplegia, but as it was then in the hospital and as it is today, every morning I wake up saying, Jesus, I can't do this thing called life. Please help me. Please show up, give me your smile, give me your strength, because I can't make it through the day. And because I go to God with that earnest dependency and, and requirement of His grace every single day, 
I take that back. No, every single moment I experience the sweetest, most precious, most intimate union with Jesus Christ. So in Jeremiah 29, when God says he won't harm us, doesn't mean the body, doesn't mean our circumstances. He's not going to do anything to harm our soul. Yes, our body may get harmed, but it will somehow serve to enrich our soul. And that's why in our life we have to leave the results up to God. I'm sure that Joni had a lot of people praying for her for healing from the fruit. But as you see, if you read her books and look at the impact she's making now, it's way more impactful than if she wouldn't have had the accident. As we leave here this week, I want you to be infused with faith to believe that God wants to work in your situation, that God still heals, that God still, he has a plan in that situation. We believe that that pig can still fly no matter what you faced in your life. For some of you, you need physical healing or you have a loved one that does. Believe for that. Believe for that. Don't let your past and, and, and expectations of what happened in the past hurt you now. Some of you need emotional healing of the root. Believe that Jesus can and he will and live with that expectation. And then spiritually, if you become numb, inoculated because you've been, you know, been in churchianity too long, scriptures don't mean anything. Sermons are just churches, just entertainment. Let the Lord heal you with that to come alive again spiritually and believe that God can still make pigs fly. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I just ask that each person in here would intentionally invite you into their need of healing, that they would deliberately touch you this week, that they would move past their shame, past um, the disappointments of life, past all the things, Lord God, and just believe that you're going to work in a way that they only know it's you. Today, God, we leave the wise to you and the results to you, and we trust you with that. Lord, help us to have faith once again in the areas that we need it most. And as we're praying today, church, maybe your area of faith is maybe you do need spiritual healing because you need salvation. Maybe you walked away from your faith in Christ because of a TV preacher, because of a prayer that wasn't answered, because you were hurt by church, or maybe you've never given your life to Christ. And you know today is your day. You know it right where you're sitting, whether you're online or in here physically, right where you're at today. I want you to make this confession of faith after me. I want you to pray this prayer after me to give your life to Christ. You say, God, save me. I admit I can't save myself. I admit I'm just a sinner. But I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he's your son, and that he died on the cross, and that he rose again on the third day. Lord, I repent, and I turn from my old life. I receive the new life you give. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, will you, in my faith journey, make me whole? Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen.